Okay, today's daf is Baba Kama Yud Gimel 13. We pick up uh, four lines from the top, Gufa, um, and our learning should be in the zechus and protection of our chayalim and chayalot who are right now in the middle of very heavy fighting in Gaza. Kodesh Baruch Hu should protect them and all of Am Yisrael. Um, okay, Gufa. So we are now um, uh, going back to a brighter that we quoted about the position of Rabbi Yossi Aglili, that Kachim Kalim, um, sacrifices that can be eaten in all of Yerushalayim, are considered to be Mamun Bailim, own, uh, uh, still under the possession of their owners. And that was used to explain the Mishnah that says that uh, Nezikin only applies to things that don't have Me'ila, um, which sounds like, which is the, the Corbin brought for the misuse of Hektesh, that sounds like um, there could be some things that are Kadosh that don't have Me'ila that Nezikin would apply to. What are those things? So that would be kachim kalim according to Rabbi Yosei Those things have sanctity, but there's no mi'ila because they're basically eaten by the owners in all of Yerushalayim, and um, they're not considered all dedicated to God. And um, and those things, if they were to be um, uh, damaged or damaged or, or the damagers, if they were an ox of Shlomim Bekord or something like that, um, then actually the laws of Nezikin would apply. Okay, so we are now going to look back at that brighter gufa. So we taught umala mal ba'ashem four lines from the top. So this is a pasuk that if you deny something that you're holding in as a guardian for your, as a shomer for your friend, and you take an oath, you have to bring a korban, you have to bring a korban, um, an asham, and it says you did a trespass against God. So that against God, now the shot of the Pasuk means through your false oath, but that is learned by Rabbi Yosei Aglili to say that even if the object you denied was a shlumim, you were or a kachim kalim, you were holding on for your friend, um, you would still have to ring a korban. That's still considered to be v'kichesh ba'amito, denying it to your friend. It's still considered to be mamon bailim, their possession. Um, ben Azai Omer, Ben Azai, interprets similarly, but he has a slight variation. The rabbi says a shlumim. Not Kachim Kalim in general, but Shlomim, which is the generic Kachim Kalim. So we're going to have to see what their debate is. Um, Abba Yossi ben Dostai, Omer Abba Yossi ben Dostai says, Lo Amr ben bilvad. No, 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 he didn't say Shlomim in general, he really just said Bechor. So there's Kachim Kalim generic, Shlomim Bechor. What are the differences? What's being excluded? Let's see the Gemara. Okay. Um, so now we're going to go back and pick this bright apart. By the way, this is a great example of Gufa and Amamar. Um, those are classic terms that are used to deal with a Brita that was cited, um, and they're a little different, and here they're juxtaposed so you can see how they're different. Gufa is when we say, let's look at the body of the thing. We cited something earlier, an excerpt, and now we want to look at the entire text. So before we said just the Rebbe Yossi line of Mom and Bailim, now we're saying Gufa, let's look at the entire text, and we're citing also the, the Benazai position and the Abayosi Bentostai. Okay, that's Gufa. What's Amamar? Amamar is almost like the inverse. Amamar is like, now we have the whole text in front of us. Let's now look at each line and examine it line by line. Okay, so Amamar, let's go ahead and look at, zoom in on one line, or not each line necessarily, but zoom in in particular lines. We've already looked at Rebiosi Aglili. Let's now look at the Benazai line. Amamar. Benazai Omer, Lurabas Ezer Shlomim, Ezer Shlomim. That it's, Benazai Omer, Lurabas Ezer Shlomim. To include Shlomim. Not all Kachim Kalim, Shlomim. 
Nimute mai. So what is this coming to, ex, to you know, uh, exclude? Meaning, Benazai's shlom, uh, excuse me, Rebiyotek Lili's kachim kalim includes all kachim kalim. Shlomim is the largest type of kachim kalim. But what are you trying to exclude, Benazai? What wouldn't be included and why wouldn't it be included? Um, maybe to exclude Bechor, which is what's going to be said at the end, um, you know, the, the position of Abi Yossi ben, ben, Do, ben Dostai, so that, so that Bechor is less Maman Bailim than Shlomim. Why is this true, says Gemara? <coughs> Shlomim has a lot of halachas about it. You have to, the owners have to put their hands on it. You bring, you know, wine and flour, and, and, and wine and also flour mixed with oil. Nesachim, um, you wave the chazay and the shok, the breast and the thigh. So be, the more rituals, the more halachot, presumably the more that reflects its kedusha and less of your total ownership, less that it's in the status it was, that it's under your control. So if even Shlomim, Amarta Maman Bailim, you would say it's Maman Bailim who? Bechor mi Bayaf, search Bechor, which doesn't have all those man, demands, should be Maman Bailim. So when, um, so when Benazai is saying Shlomim, he can't be saying shl- just Shlomim is Maman Bailim and not Bechor. Bechor should be more Maman Bailim. So Ella, so it can't be he's excluding Bechor. Now, if you remember from yesterday, the logic could be the opposite. We'll get back to that in a minute, but let's first see what the Gemara says. Ella, Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Limute Meiser, ah, no, Meiser, that would not be considered, that's another Kachim Kalim, it's eaten in all of Yerushalayim, but that would not be considered Maman Bailim for Ben Azai. Why not? What makes Meiser less Maman Bailim than Shlomim and Bechor? Like we don't know the Bible, but Bechor Nehmer, by Bechor it says, you can't redeem it, meaning that if it doesn't, that basically, if it, you know, you don't transfer its value to money, even with a blemish, you don't do that, you just eat it with the blemish outside of Yerushalayim, it's not redeemed. That's by a Bechor. V'nimkar, nevertheless, even though it can't be redeemed, the Kedusha can't be transferred away, V'nimkar Tamchai, if it is unblemished, a Kohen can sell it like to another Kohen, let the other Kohen bring it as a Korban. Okay, by the way, that's a perfect example of Mammon Bailim. It is something that could be sold. Okay, so Bechor can still be sold. The Torah doesn't prevent that. Ubalmum Chai V'shachot, and if it's got a blemish and can be eaten, just shecht it out of Yerushalayim, eat it out of Yerushalayim, um, then certainly a it could be sold to somebody, and you could be sold it, you know, um, whether it's alive or dead, and it's already been shechted, etc. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> so now, um, that's true by Bechor, which is a great evidence that it's mum and bailim, all right? Uh, it could be sold. But Meister, however, that doesn't apply to Meister. Even though Meister, you would say, you know, you don't have... You know, like 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 the owners bring it. You don't give it to the coin, etc. Nevertheless, it says lo yigael. Not just it should not be redeemed by yipadeh, like uh, you know the value transferred, but it shouldn't be redeemed. What does that yigael word mean? So we learned that from another place where the Torah says lo yigael, which means that you're not allowed to sell it. And therefore, the halacha is the enunimkar cannot be sold lo chai v'lo shachot lo tam v'lo balmon. You're not allowed to sell meiser. You have to, you know, you can invite people to eat it with you, but you're not allowed to sell it. So since there's a halacha by Meister that you can't sell it, it is, that proves that it is not Maman Bailim. A good example of whether it's yours is can you sell it? Okay, so Meister, that even if Kachim Kalim are Maman Bailim, and it's true by Shlomim, and it's true by Bechor, it wouldn't be by Meister, and that's why Ben Azai is exclu- saying 
only shlamim. Doesn't mean only shlamim. He means only shlamim and 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 before, but not maaser. Okay. Now you might be thinking, one minute, didn't we end yesterday by saying that bechor was not mamon bailim because it did not? If the kohen gets it, it you know, it does. It, it's mamon bailim is when it starts as my animal and I sanctify it. Bechor is something the kohen receives from somebody else after it's already kadosh, and that's mishuchan gavoa kazachu. So actually, it could work very well. Benazai could be understood to be excluding both Bechor, because of that reason, that it's Matnas Kahuna, and Meiser. All right, but that's not what the Gemara is doing now. We'll see now the next line, it sort of acknowledges that. Rashi says, well, we already got through saying that we're talking about Bechor and Chutzel Aretz, or Bechor when there's no Beis HaMikdash, and other reasons why we've neutralized that power of Bechor, of Matnas Kahuna. But it should be acknowledged that that's another good reason to want to be saying only Shlomim, and not Bechor, and not Meiser. All right, so that's room, rule no, that's, that's position number one, that the Gemara is reading Ben Azai to say, not Maaseb. Ravina Masin La Seifa. Ravina learned this discussion about comparing Bechor to Meister, not on Ben Azai's statement about Shlamim, but on the last statement of Abba Yosi. Abba Yosi Ben Dustai Omer Lomer Ben Azai Bechor Bilhad. Ben Azai only said his Allah by Bechor. Okay, so the way we just read it, by the way, Ben Azai said Shlamim and Bechor comes up, but not Meiser, comes up a Yossi Ben Dustai and says, just Bechor. Okay, and again, you would have to say it's Bechor Bizman or outside of, of Eretz Yisrael or something of that nature, so it doesn't have the Matnas Kahuna power, just Bechor. Bechor is the most Maman Bailim if you're not going to be bringing it as a Korban, even more than Shlamim. Shlamim has more demands, like the Gemara said. That's way, way number one, reading this Breitha. Okay, Yossi Ben Aglili says, all Kachim Kalim, Ben Azai says, Bechor and Shlomim, but not Meiser. Abba Yossi Ben Dustai says, just Bechor is Maman Bailim, but not Shlomim, that has, even, that has more demands, Nesachim, etc. Fine, that's one way of reading it. Okay, the order being Bechor, you know, uh, uh, um, Bechor is the easiest according to this for some reason, then Shlomim, then Meiser. Let's try, try looking at the next read. Um, ben um, uh, when he's saying just before, what's it coming to exclude? If it's coming to say just before, not shlamim, which is exactly what we said before, before that before is the easiest thing to be mum and bailim because shlamim has more demands like the nesachim, etc. Now the Gemara says, no, one minute. Hashto ma bechor shekadosh merechem mamonahu bechor that was sanctified from the very moment it was born, right? So that has more kedusha, and so it's not like first it was chulin and then you decided to sanctify it, and that's even beyond the point of mishuchan gavoa kazachu that the kohen gets it only fundamentally because the owner gives it to God. So bechor is mo- very removed from you. Number one, it never started off as chulin; it started off with kedusha, and number two, from the kohen's perspective, it's matnas kahuna. So if Bechor is Maman Bailim, Shlamim Ibaya, certainly Shlamim, certainly Shlamim, what type of a question is it? So here in these two lang- ways, the Gemara is going back and forth, which one is more obviously Maman Bailim? Is Bechor more obviously Maman Bailim because it doesn't have Nisachim and Tnuf and all of that? Or this read, which is the better read, is that Shlamim is most obviously Maman Bailim. It starts off as Chulin and then you sanctify it. Bechor is less obviously so. First, you say, first it becomes Kaddish from the very beginning. The Kohen gets it in Shulchan Kavo Gazach, etc. 
So according to this read, if Bechor is Maman Bailim, then certainly Shlamim. So Amr of Yochanan, no, Limute Meiser, he's excluding Meiser. Kiritanya, that's the least Maman Bailim because you're not allowed to sell it. By Bechor it says Loti Padev, nevertheless, you can sell it unblemished if it's alive, and if it has a mum, you can sell it alive or dead. But Meiser it says Lo and therefore cannot be sold at all. Okay. Um, so now, according to this, read, right, uh, comes along Benazay, Benazay says, um, Shlomim, um, and, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, Benazay says, yes, Shlomim, which means only uh, uh, um, Shlomim, right, because Shlomim is the easiest thing, and then comes along Abi Yossi ben and says, no, Shlomim and Bechor, but not Meiser. So the Gemara says, that doesn't, that's not the language. Hi, before Bilvad Kamar. But Yosef Bedustai says only before. According to your read, that Shlomim is the most obvious. Yosef Bedustai said Shlomim and also before, but not Meiser. So the word says, okay, Kasha, that's difficult. All right, so different ways of reading this about the, and the ranking. Um, the, you know, although this last reading, the textually, was most difficult, conceptually it makes sense. Shlamim is the most mum and bailim. It starts off as yours. You sanctify it. Okay, it's not matnas kahuna, etc. Then Bechor is one degree less obviously mum and bailim because it's kadosh from the very beginning and it's matnas kahuna. Mishokhan kavoa kazachu. And then the thing that is clear, that we are, that maybe, you know, that, that, that is least likely to be mum and is Meiser because it's not allowed to be sold. So that is a very nice logical progression. The Bechor Bilvad language does not work so well with that. Okay, now the Gemara continues. Um, um, Rav Amar, now, now we're done, by the way, with yesterday's discussion, okay? That was all explaining the chasim she'en behem mi'ila means to say that there are some kachim that are in the world of Nezikin. What are those kachim? Those are kachim kalim, according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, with, you know, as we see, some debate about the scope of that. Rav Amar, no. Ma'in chasim she'en behem mi'ila? What does it mean, nechasim with no mi'ila have a din of Nezikin? That means nechasim she'en behem din mi'ila. Nechasim, that types of property that is completely out of any discussion of Meila, meaning non-sanctified property, umayniyu dehedyo, property owned by a layperson, lay property not sanctified, meaning it's a fancy way of saying that they're kudshim versus versus hedyot, okay? Hektesh, all right? So the Lord says, to hedyot. so why say, oh, Nezik applies to things that don't have Meila? Saying Ezekiel applies to things that are lay, that are not hektesh, kash, it's difficult. All right, in general, these Mishnayot clearly indicate very early Mishnayot, and they might have used, you know, different languages of, like, language of hedyot. Hedyot might not, I think, is not necessarily uh, an early uh, Tanaitic term, so that might be why these types of things, you know, other terms are used. It could have said that aren't hektesh. Why did it say they don't have me'ila? That's a question. But what Rav, but, but the way Rav is now reasoning it, I mean, it was a more interesting mission beforehand. There are some kachim that do have halachas of nezikin, kachim kalim, according to Rabbi Yosei This way is just reading it that hektish as a category is excluded from nezikin, even kachim kalim, and it would not presumably be, uh, presumably would be not according to Rabbi Yosei Okay. I'm a Rabbi Yava. Now that we're done with explaining the Mishnah, we're, uh, we're going to now look at some interesting applications of this idea that, according to Rabbi Yosei Shlomim, Kachim Kalim, can be in the laws of Nezikin. And the interesting application, you know, we'll see about whether it's when the 
shlamim is the is the is the cow that was damaged, or was it were the ox that was doing the damage? And so let's see how that might play out in real life. Let's take a look. Um, okay, I'm a Rebbe Yava. Shlamim sheziku gova mi If you have a uh, shlamim, an animal you sanctify to be a shlamim, and it's an you know it's an ox because um, they come male and female, and it goes ahead and it gores your uh, so Ruvain's uh, shlamim ox goes ahead and gores you know Shimon's cow. Okay, so now the lacha is. Okay, you have to pay. Now, how do you pay? Well, it's a tom. So tom, you don't pay out of pocket. You, what happens is that Shimon now gets a right to, based on half the value of his damages, he uh, goes ahead. Let's say both oxes are worth, um, um, you know, let's, let's say uh, uh, Ruvain's ox is worth 100 and uh, Shimon's cow is worth 200. So, and he, and he destroyed the cow, the cow's worth nothing. So now Shimon has a right, it was a tom to collect half, he collects 100. So that means that he now takes possession of the physical body. He doesn't get it out of pocket from Ruvain. It gives him rights to the body of the ox that gored. So he now takes physical possession of that $100 ox of Ruvain. All right, now, um, thing is, now, Ruvain is going to, here's the funny thing, it's Ruvain's korban, it's a shlamim. So Ruvain is going to go and bring it to the basement, does have the blood sprinkled. Ruvain will now get credit for having brought his shlamim, okay? But now, uh, Shimon will say, hand over the meat, all that meat is mine, and now Shimon gets the right to the meat and he eats it, okay? Um, so... Um, you also have to imagine, by the way, that since it's a shlumim, um, that it's not really worth the same as much as, as much as it would be worth otherwise. Otherwise, Shimon would have total rights to determine whether to bring it as a korban, to eat the meat, use it as a cow for the fields. Even if he wanted to turn it into meat, you know, he would do it on his schedule. Once it's a shlumim, you have only two days to eat it. So obviously the value of this whole thing has gone super down because it's a shlumim. Okay, maybe it was worth $1,000 before, but now because it's a shlumim, it's worth 100 And Shimon now has a right to the meat. That's the scenario. Okay, but now let's see what the Gemara says. Um, but what Shimon doesn't have a right to is he does not, he has a right to the meat, he doesn't have a right to the innards, which are going to be burnt up on the altar, okay? So if the meat is only worth $80 and the innards are worth $20, Shimon is going to be out $20 because those emurim are going to go up on the altar. Uh, so the Gemara says, Pshita, uh, that's obviously, obvious, salki, the Emurim are burned on the altar. How could I think that he could go ahead and collect from the Emurim? Lo, you need it for the case, that the question was, let's say not the scenario I said, let's say that the meat is worth 100, and the, um, well, um, you know, and the Emurim, I don't know, just for, let's say, argument's sake, obviously it wouldn't, this would not be the case, but to do the math easier, the meat is worth um, 100 and the Emurim are worth 100. And remember, Shimon's debt, Shimon is, is entitled to $100. So what, what's being said here is, he's entitled to $100 from the whole cow. That would be, you divide it equally amongst the different parts of the cow, proportional to the different values of the cow. So that means that he would be entitled, if it were like a, a chulin type of a cow, to get $50 out of the meat and $50 out of the emurim. Okay, so now though, because it's a korban, and he can't get the, his $50 out of the emurim, he is not entitled to collect his whole, his, his whole $100 out of the meat. So that's a big chiddush, right? You would say, look, 
I have $100 rights of the cow. I should be able to collect it from the part that I can collect it from. I can, I can, the meat is edible. I can have, the emurim I couldn't. If it was chulin, maybe, you know, the emurim have a market value as well. But they now they don't. So I'll get my $100 out of the meat of the cow. And what he is saying is, no, that's not the halacha. You divide his rights equally throughout the cow. So he has a, he has a $50 claim on the meat, a $50 claim on the emurim, and you can't collect the emurim, so tough luck, you're out. Okay, that is a big finish. You want to collect from the meat opposite the value of the emurim, you're not allowed to do that. Now, the verse says, Ali Daman, according to who is this going like? According to the rabbis, um, let's read this and then I'll explain what it's about. It's obvious. They say, When you can't collect from one, one, you can't collect from the other. Meaning, even if you can't, don't have recourse for one, it doesn't give you recourse for the other. What's the case? The case is an ox pushes a person who falls down a well and dies at the bottom of the well. Okay? And there's a debate of the rabbis and Rebbe Nason. The rabbis say, Chachamim say, that you collect. Now, there's a whole debate also. Rashi tells us how to understand this debate. I'm going to read it based on the Rashi and tells us on this stuff. Okay? So, so the rabbis say that, um, let's say the animal was a, uh, what, what, the, the, the ox was a muad. Okay? So they would say, um, that'll make it easier. They would say that you get, theoretically, both the ox and the pit did the damage, so you should collect your 100, you should collect it 50 from the owner of the ox and 50 from the owner of the pit. The only problem is you're not entitled to collect it from 50 from the owner of the pit. Why? Because the pit you're only liable for if the animal fell in by itself, not if it was pushed in by another animal, you know, intentionally pushed in. Then it's like the animal used the pit. It's not that the pit was the hazard, okay? So you can't collect your 50 from the pit. And the rabbis say, we're sorry, you're out. You only collect 50 from the owner of the ox. You don't collect your full 100. If you can't collect, you can't collect from the owner of the pit. That doesn't entitle you now to the recourse to go and collect the rest from the, own, from the owner of the ox. Now, that only makes sense if you say a few things. Like, it's only relevant makes sense. First of all, it means that even though the owner of the pit is exempt, you say that, you don't say that it means we conceptualize it like only the ox did the damage, right? Because if only the ox did the damage, then you don't start by dividing 50-50. You conceptualize it and you say both of them did the damage, okay? But, you know, the owner of the pit has like a get-out-of-jail-free card. For some reason, he's exempt. There's a technicality. The technicality is only if the animal fell in, not if it was pushed in. So yes, my pit did the damage. So if you said who is responsible, you know, for the damage, they're equally responsible. But nevertheless, I have a get-out-of-jail-free card. I ex- I'm exempt. Okay, so it started by dividing 50-50, and now you're telling me, but I can't get from one, I have to go to the other. Now, uh, and, now and the Chachamim were saying, you're not entitled to go to the other. Now, that, that's two ways of conceptualizing that. When both the pit and the ox are responsible for the damage, which is what we're saying, not, they're not liable legally to pay, but responsible in terms of having caused it, do you say each one cost 50% or each one caused 100%? If you say each one cost 50%, then there's no idea when you can't collect from A, you're not entitled to go to B. 
fundamentally, I'm not entitled to go to the owner of the ox because fundamentally, the, the ox only did 50% of the damage. So the one that did 50%, I collected his 50%. The other one had a get-out-of-jail-free card. Okay? That would therefore not be applicable to another case. What they actually, so what it's understood is rather what the Rabbanon are saying is that the ox did 100% and the pit did 100%. Okay, so they both did 100%. Now, then you come and you say, if they both did 100%, then they should each pay 50. All right? Um, but the owner of the pit has a get-out-of-jail-free card. So you would logically think, okay, now that he had a get-out-of-jail-free card and the owner of the ox did 100%, even though initially we allocated that he only pays 50, I should now be able to get the remainder of my 50 also from the owner of the ox, because the owner of the ox did 100%. Hi, Kulhezekakavid. And the answer is no. Once we make an initial allocation 50-50, and then it plays out however it plays out, Okay, and imagine each one had their court case separately and that one had a get-out-of-jail-free card and you're not entitled now to go back to the owner of the pit. All right, that was a very long explanation, but whatever, that's what, you have to understand that's conceptually what's going on. So that's the principle of the Chachamim, ki lekli So when you can't collect from A, you can't go back and get the rest from B. So therefore, the Gemara says, if it's according to the Chachamim, it's obvious. You know, 50 were had to be collected from the meat, 50 from the... Emurim, if you can't collect from the Emurim, you're not entitled to go get the rest from the meat. So according to the Rabbanan, it's Pshita. Okay? So, the Ialiba, the Rabbi Nassan, now what Rabbi Nassan says is, Rabbi Nassan says actually, you do go and get the rest from the owner of the pith. Okay? So, Ialiba, the Rabbi Nassan, and if it's according to Rabbi Nassan, Hamar, Kilekalishtalumimehai, Mishtalmimehai. So according to Rabbi Nassan, you should be entitled to get from the meat. All right? So make up your mind, right? According to the rabbis, it's obvious. And according to Rabbi Nassan, it's not true. So the Gemara says, No, I can tell you that this idea about the meat and the emurim, you know, is different from the case of the pet, and it could work according to either of those approaches. Let's take a look. And if you want, I can tell you the rabbis. When do the rabbis say that you don't have recourse to go back to the owner of the cow to get your other 50%? So that's two different you know, uh, um, 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 bodies. And it doesn't just mean bodies, it also means two different, like, you know, uh, 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 people that you're suing and you're trying to get paid from, all right? So the initial allocation was 50-50, you're not entitled to go back to the, to, 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 the, to, to the owner of the ox, even if, you know, Shimon gets a get-out-of-jail-free card, okay? Aval b'tchad gufa, here, it's one mazik, it's one cow. In that case, you can say, look, I'll get my $100 from anywhere I want with the cow. That with the ox, which basically makes total sense, right? Why should we have started by conceptualizing it and saying you have $50 right of the meat and $50 right of the cow? Do we say, I don't know, you have a $10 right to the right leg and a $12 right to the left leg? Like, why do we conceptualize it like that? You have a $100 right to the cow and you'll collect it from where you can get your, your $100 payment from. That makes an enormous amount of sense. Okay, Ibai Sema Reb or I could tell you that it's Reb Hasab, Hudamar, you know, Reb Nassim normally does let you, oh, by the way, I should say, logically you should have said that according to the rabbis, that it's all one cow, I'll collect my $100 from the meat, even it's not related to the case of the pit and the, and, and the ox, etc. That would have made an enormous amount of sense. And nevertheless, 
we're still saying you can only get $50 from the meat. So the Havamina makes a lot of sense. The conclusion still is a little bizarre. Okay, or I could say it's Rebbe Nassan that normally, all, that, that actually normally lets you get from the rest, and here too you should get from the meat. And nevertheless, the halacha is different. Why? Uh, so now what Rabbi Nazan says actually is, I simplified it. Um, you know, Rabbi Nazan says, you, um, it's like a whole other layer of complexity. He doesn't just say, the get ba- Balabor has get out jail free card and therefore go collect the rest from the um, from from the owner of the ox. Rabbi Nelson really disagrees with get out of jail free card uh, of the of the owner of the pit, and he says the owner of the pit is liable, um, but that there but and that it reverses itself that the uh, that you're not going to collect the full amount from the owner of the ox if the ox was a tom, and the remainder what you can't collect from the tom you can collect from the owner of the pit. Why? Because you say, look, at the end of the day, my, my cow was in your pit. I'm holding you primarily responsible. Meaning, understood that way, you mean somehow that the owner of the pit actually has even greater liability and therefore he is the end of the day, the, the person you can go to if you can't collect from the other parties. Okay, so that's a Rebbe Nassim position. Okay, we won't worry about that too much right now. So, um, uh, I found my ox in your pit, um, my cow. My I can't collect from the owner of the ox because it's a tom. I'll collect from you because at the end of the day, the owner of the pit is even more responsible. That allows me to go to the owner of the pit. He has more responsibility. top of But here... Um, here, neither part of the animal has more responsibility. It wasn't like the meat did more of the damage than the, um, you know, than the, than the emurim. Probably was the horns that did the damage, or the brain of the cow. Okay, but uh, the other parts of the cow shared it equally. So there's no one final destination for being collecting, and you have to go with equal distribution. So, all right, this was actually quite uh, surprising because you know the logic of the Gemara, which is there's one mazik. Uh, owner, there's one cow, um, I should be able to collect my $100 from the meat of the cow, and the answer is like, uh, no. Conceptually, we divide it between the meat and the emurim, and we say that if you can't collect from the emurim, you don't have recourse to collect from the meat, whether according to the Rabbanon or according to Rebbe Nassan. Okay. I'm a rabbi. Now, new topic with a, uh, again, with the shlump, with the kachim column. Two lines from the top, you'd give me back. I'm a rabbi. Toda shehizika, if you have a toda, an animal which is like a type of a shlamim, except you bring, uh, it's on for Thanksgiving and you bring these loaves of bread together with it, and that goes ahead and that does damage. Govami bisaravena govami lachma. The owner, the, 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 the damaged party collects his damages from the meat once it's offered up. You know, he gets to eat the meat, um, but he does not get to eat the bread. So the Gemara says, Lechem, Pshita. That's obvious he doesn't get the bread. The bread wasn't the mazik, okay? I mean, it's all part of the same korban, but you only collect from the animal who is the mazik. Um, Save Yitzchikle. No, no, no. Ravah was telling you this because of the end of his sentence. Nizak ochel basar umitkaper. Umitkaper mevi lechem. The damagee, the one whose uh, cow is gored, he eats the meat, 
That's, that we said, that's his payment. And the mitkaper, the one who is being atoned for by the sacrifice, the one who, the mazik, the one who sacrificed it was, he still has to bring the bread. So here, it was my cow, that my toda that damaged, you know, that damaged uh, uh, Reuven's cow. Um, so Reuven is going to get to eat the meat when I bring it, but it's still my korban. I get credit for the korban. That's why I'm called mitkaper. Um, and therefore, since it's my korban, I still have to bring the bread, you know, Reuven does not bring the bread for my korban. It's my, still my obligation. Hanami um, Pshita, the Gemara says that's also obvious. No, Maldatim, I might have thought, since the bread is coming, you know, for a requirement of the korban, and I might think that I get to say to Reuven, you're eating the meat and I have to bring the bread? You know, it's a sandwich. The bread goes with the meat. The one eating the meat should be the one bringing the bread. Kamash Malan, the Lechem Chiva, the Bailimu, teaches you that no, Nevertheless, that it's my responsibility. Also, again, you would have thought that would have been pretty straightforward. Fine. Next line in the Mishnah. The other thing that Nezek is limited to is not just non-Hekdesh, but also things that belong to B'nai Bris, members of the covenant, meaning Jews, as opposed to if an animal gores uh, an animal of a non-Jew, okay? So, which is a later discussion. Limute mai, what is it excluding? Ilimute devot kochaviv, it's coming to exclude animals of non-Jews. Haktani leilakaman, that's the later Mishnah. If an ox of a Jew grows an ox of a non-Jew, when we get to that, actually, we'll see. The actual text is not Ovi which is an idolater. You know, it's actually Nachri, just a standard non-Jew. Okay, but it was edited to say idolater, so it was not as offensive. But anyway, if an ox of a Jew grows an ox of a non-Jew, you're exempt. So it's explicit later. So, Tana, Vada, yes! First, it gave you the general line, you know, it had like a list of basic criteria to be high for Nezek. It has to be hediot. It has to be, you know, uh, belonging to a Jew. And then, well, later on, we'll have other Mishnayot that elaborate on each one of these principles. Also, ours, as I said before, was an early Mishnah. Those are later Mishnayot. Our early Mishnah is in a very tight, uh, terse type of a format. Okay. Nechasim yuchadim. It also only applies to designated property. So what does designated property mean? Limute mai, what is this excluding? It's a case of you don't know it's identifiable property. You don't know, know which animal did the damage. If Reuven and Shimon, both of their oxes, oxen went and gored, you know, a cow, or it looked, one of them gored a cow. They both ran after it and one of them gored it. And you don't know which one gored it. And each one is pointing fingers at the other. In that case, they're both exempt. Okay, so it's not miyuchad; it's not identifiable property. Again, the Gemara says that's a mission later on. You know, two oxen of different owners was running after a cow. Reuven says to Shimon, "It was your ox that gored," and Shimon says, "Reuven, no, it was your ox that gored." Um, they're both exempt. Okay, so Tani Fine, yes, it says it in our Mishnah, and then a later Mishnah elaborates. That's one explanation, that you have to know which ox get it. We must need Satan, and later, in a brighter, we taught a different explanation of this. It has to be meaning designated to a person, owned property, as opposed to ownerless. So the Gemara says, hey, what's the case? If an ox owned by, you know, one of us, you know, a person's ox goes ahead and gores a hefker ox, an ownerless ox. So, Monty Bayale, who's going to go ahead and sue you in court? Of course you're exempt. It was ownerless. Ella, the nagach tori de hefker, the tori de It must be an ownerless ox gored my ox. 
Okay, and I'm now, so what does that mean that it's exempt? I mean, you know, if we're talking anyway about a tom, I would only make just collect from the body of the animal, so let me just go ahead and seize the animal, and then I'll own, I'll own it. So, um, laser say, go ahead and bring it, go ahead and take the animal if you want it. The case is, before I had a right to seize that animal, somebody else took possession of that goring ox that was Hefker. Okay, so now I can't say, oh, it's very nice, you, Shimon, you took possession of that ox. That, since it gored my ox before you took possession of it, I have rights to it. It was a mazik, and I have you know, rights to, to collect my damages from, the, from that ox. The answer is no, we don't say that. There's an exemption, the same way there's an exemption by Hectate, there's an exemption by Hefter. If it was ownerless when it gored, no, then there is, you know, then, then I don't have any rights to the animal, which is a fascinating question about to what degree, you know, do the rights I have by Mazik, it starts with the fact that like there's an act of damage done by this animal to my animal, you know, or does it start with, or is it at least anchored in, if it doesn't start with, the fact that there was an owner in the background that was negligent. So in this case, there was no owner, I fundamentally don't have any rights to collect from the animal itself. Ah, no, another case where my, it, it has to be it has to be like consistent in its status, all right? So hectic and hefter we already know are, are exempt. But let's say, you know, Shimon's ox scored my cow, and then before I was, and it was, and before I was able to bring Shimon to, to a basin and go ahead and collect from it, okay, he said, I'm after my ox, I'm maktish my ox, he turned its status into one in which it's an exempt status. But when it gored, it was actually liable. So I might be able, you know, that maybe I would think that I would have a right to still go ahead and collect from that ox. All right? So it says you're not. That's what it's saying. It has to be miyuchad. It has to be consistently have that status. Okay? Um... Uh, so, uh, right. Similarly, yes, Rebuta said more than this, meaning not only did he say that an ox that was hectic and hefter is exempt from the halacha of a goring ox that you would stone it if it killed a person, but even if it gored and killed a person and then the owner, um, you know, was mafia, renounced ownership over it or sanctified it, even then it would not be stoned. Patrit's exempt. It says, you know, that the owners are warned and it kills, and therefore, um, and Sakoi um, Sakala, sure, then you go ahead and you judge it. So it's understood to be Ajete Misa Vehamada, the death, you know, you know, and then the um, and then the end of the Pasuk is um, what do you call Vashor Yisakel, so Vuadvahemis, Vashor Yisakel, all of that has to be connected with those Vavs. All of that has to be the same status, and only then do you stone it. Okay? Until the death of the person and the bringing the ox to justice or whatever, doing the, the court case, all happen when it's in the same status. The Gemar Din Lobe. You know, the Gemar says, don't you also need Gemar Din to finalize the status? Hashor Yisakel, the Gemar Din Since it says the ox you stone, it means that there was a judgment. So let's say he was mafia between when the court started and before the judgment. So the says, fine, you're right. Um, uh, uh, you're right. All of them have to be under the equal ownership of the person. If it changed its status into an exempt status of Hefker or Akdesh, anywhere in the middle, before the Gemardina gets off. And the same would be true not only by a Shorhaniskal, but even by a case of a Shore that went ahead and did damages. Okay, let's uh, do the next, begin the next segment.
Um, okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, the other thing that this excludes is a case where the um, property is um, uh, um, only belongs to the mazik, which means that if your cow wanders into my yard, okay, and my ox scores your cow in my yard, I'm exempt because what the heck was your cow doing in my yard? Okay, you had no right to be there, so I'm exempt. So the Gemara says, Now, uh, I'm sorry, so, 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 so I'm sorry. Because uh, I could say, what was your ox doing in my yard? And therefore, in that case, um, I am exempt. You know, I have no liability when it's in my rishus.